This is the Christian Life Center podcast. Here at CLC, we are messengers of hope, where we believe in taking God's message of hope everywhere we go to everyone we meet. From wherever you are, be encouraged by this week's message. Well, here we are, week five of our spiritual growth campaign. We've called it Authentic, Putting Your Faith to the Test. We've been walking through the book of 1 John. And as we're walking through 1 John, we're looking at some key themes that John talks about with the church of Ephesus. He was talking to a second and a third generation believer, and he was sharing with them what does it mean to be an authentic believer. Now, remember, these are believers in the church, but he wanted them to understand what does an authentic faith look like. And so that's what we've been talking about. And we've been looking at these themes. Now, the apostle John is a circular communicator or writer. He doesn't speak and write linear, but he comes back. He'll talk about two or three topics. Then he'll come back to two or three topics, the same two or three topics. And then he'll come back to it one more time. So today, what we're going to do is we're going to look at one of those central truths and principles that you and I have to put to the test in our own life. And so I'm going to pull from all three of the places that the Apostle John talks about this central theme, and we're going to begin looking at it from there. You know, in the 1980s, there was a book that came out. The book was entitled, All I Really Need to to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. All I Really Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. And it made this quote in the book. It said that wisdom is not uh, attained at the top of a graduate school. It's not at the mountain of the graduate school that we gain our wisdom, but it was in the sand pile of Sunday school was the quote that came out of the book. And the book was based on the principles that you learn in the sand pile, the principles that you learn in, uh, if it would be in kindergarten. And the reality is it was the basics that all of us probably remember learning. Things like share everything. Isn't that a good principle? Share everything. Play fair. I mean, today, if we would live by these principles, life would be so much different. Government would be so much different. Our nations around the world working with one another would be so much difficult. I, uh, uh, different because now it's so difficult. I got a video here of a father teaching his young uh, son uh, these rules and reinforcing them over and over and over. Don't, uh, don't hit people. That was one of the things that we learned in, uh, in kindergarten. Clean up your own mess, right? If you take something, put it back. <laughs> one of the points was for all the boys, re- you know, remember to put the seat down. That was one of the principles in the book, right? How many? Uh, I won't go any further there, but that was one of the principles. Wash your hands before you eat. That was one of the principles. You know, say sorry when you hurt somebody. I mean, if we would just practice that a little bit, live a balanced life, right? You know, hold hands and stick together when you go outside, when they would be walking in line. Well, these were the principles that came out of the book. 
basic principles, basic principles of life. Well, what John is doing in 1 John is he's coming back to the basic principles of our faith. And how do we put our faith to the test? And if we will, if we will look at the basics, if we'll come back to the basics, if we, like, like a father, you know, sitting down with his children uh, or with his son and teaching them the family rules, if we would come back to the basics and learn some family rules in our life, then we could really know that we know that we know that what we have in God and what God is doing in and through our life has met the test and we have a authentic faith. That's what we've been talking about. And today we're going to look at another one. We've got this week and one more week and we're going to wrap this up. But today we're going to look at the central truth. It's a central truth and that is learning to love one another. I've titled this message, message Authentic Love. Let's pause for a moment as we open the word and I want you to ask God to touch your heart, to speak to you today. I pray that this message will encourage all of us and that we won't just tune out because we hear authentic love, learn to love one another. Today, I pray that God will use it to spur us on, deepen us, strengthen us, and all that God wants us to be as a church. Father, as we open your word today, Father, I recognize that your word is our guidebook. It's anointed. Father, it's through your word that your spirit illuminates. It's your spirit that will convict and challenge and inspire. It's through your word that, Father, we fulfill your will. And I pray today that as we look into 1 John and we dive deeper into this central truth, that, Father, it will help us to be and to do what you've called each and every one of us. In your name we pray. And all God's people said, amen, amen, amen. One of the distinguishing marks that John's going to talk about of the life of a believer or a Christ follower is this love for one another. Now, the reality about love that we've got to remind ourselves is that love is always a personal decision. Love is a choice. We choose if we're going to love or not. You see, many people have a misconception about love. They think that love is just a feeling. Well, the misconception is it may start with a feeling, but true and authentic love is not just a feeling. Feelings are fleeting. Feelings are here today and gone tomorrow. And for those of you that have stood the test of time when it comes to your marriage or in friendships or in relationships or, or with family members, you know that love is much more than a feeling. Love is a choice and that choice lives itself out in a commitment. Can I just hear an amen for a moment. And it's rounded up in your will. It's a choice of your will. Oh, it may produce feelings. That feeling might produce. It may create these urges or these feelings that we have. But it's so much more than that. It is a choice. It's a decision that you and I make. I hear many times in counseling and working uh, with individuals, I just don't love them anymore. I just don't love them anymore. And what I've come to realize, especially maybe in the church, is that maybe we really don't know what love is. Maybe we've attached love to these feelings, and when the feelings are gone, we don't think that we love them anymore. Well, the reality is love is much 
much more than that. And today we're going to look at this because it's a command and it's a distinguishing mark for your life and my life as Christ followers. And that is, do we have authentic love? Now, the reality is you might have some very hard people to love in your life. And if that's the case, before I round up today, I'm going to give you some very practical things on how to love those that are hard to love. Don't raise your hand. Don't nod. Don't, don't move. But if you've got some that are really hard to love around you in your life, then before we leave today, don't tune out because I have some words of encouraging, uh, uh, encouragement for you. But it all comes back to... It all comes back to a personal decision. But that personal decision that I make to love begins or comes out of theological reasons. And that's what the Apostle John shows us in his book. Now, he first starts talking about it in 1 John chapter 2. Pastor Kevin referred to this a number of weeks ago here at the Fort Lauderdale campus. And this is the, 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 this is the place that John introduces this central theme for the very first time. Take your Bibles, look with me in 1 John chapter 2 and verse uh, 7. He begins, I'm reading from the Living Translation, Dear friends, he's writing to the church of Ephesus, these Christ followers, I'm not writing a new commandment to you, rather it's an old one that you have heard from the very beginning. This old commandment is to love one another. Underline it, highlight it in your Bible program, write it in your notes to love one another. And it's the same message that you have heard before. He says, you've heard it before. It was an old commandment, but it's going to come in a new way. And the new commandment now is based on what Christ has done for you and I. He comes back to this in chapter three. In chapter three and verse 11, he says, this is the message that you heard from the beginning. Verse 11, we should what? Love one another. Now, when he comes over in the chapter four, he gives us the reason why. And the reason why is birthed out of a theological reason. And the theological reason is because that first of all, love is from God because God is love. And because God is love, love comes from God. The essence of who God is means that if I'm a Christ follower, if I'm choosing the walk the way of the gospel and to follow Christ, then because God is a God of love and that love has been poured out to me and I'm developing the nature of Christ within me now that I am in Christ because love is from God and God is love, that love should flow from me. Now, I can't say it like that again. I just, just, it just flowed out of a, you know, study. But let me read to you in chapter four, chapter four, where John comes to it a third time. First John 4, 7, living Bible still. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another. For love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. So if you really love, it shows, it's a distinguishing mark that you're a child of God and you know God. Now he's going to state the negative, but if anyone does not love, if, if anyone who does not love, they do not know God for what God is love. 
So again, what he's saying is, if you say you're a Christ follower, if you say you're a Christian, and it doesn't matter how long you've walked with God, the distinguishing mark in my life and in your life that I have this relationship with God the Father, that my sins have been forgiven, that I've given my life to the Lord, that I'm in union with him, and I know that he is my Savior. The distinguishing mark is I have the same character that my Father God has, and my Father God has the characteristic of love. Now, I shouldn't have to state it, but maybe in a year like this, we need to state it. There are no ethnicities mentioned here. There is no skin colors mentioned here. God is a God of love. He loves all, and all that are in Christ should have the character of God flowing through them, and that is the character of love. God shows us his love. He shows us by sending his son. And when we come into the knowledge of the gospel of who Jesus is, we step, John says, out of darkness. And now we step into light. And when we come into light, we're not darkened like we were in the world. But now we're in Christ and there's an illumination that comes to you and I. And therefore, that illumination means that there is a distinguishing mark in your life, in my life. The distinguishing mark. It's the fruit that will be seen in my life. And that is, do I love and do I show the love of God in my life? The negative is if a person doesn't love, he says he doesn't know God. It's the negative of what he's saying, and it's something that's got to challenge us, and it's because the very nature of God is a nature of love. The Apostle Paul says something similar. Turn with me to Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3 and verse 3. Titus 3, 3, the Apostle Paul says, once we, verse 3, living Bible still, once we too... We're foolish and disobedient. We were misled by others and became slaves to the many pleasures and wicked desires of the carnal man. Our lives were full of resentment and envy. We hated others and they hated us. But when the time came for the kindness and the love of God, our Savior, to appear... Then he saved us, not because we were good enough to be saved, but because of his kindness and pity. By washing away our sins and giving us, underline it, new joy of the indwelling of the Spirit. See, what the Apostle Paul is saying is you have a new nature. You were one way before you came to Christ, but now as you've come to Christ and you've stepped into the gospel and you've received this message of hope and salvation, now you have the very essence of God's character in your life. The nature of God is growing in me. And then as it's growing in me, that nature of God has got to flow from me. For example, if I were to take a hose and hook it to water supply, what's going to come out and flow through that hose is water. If I take a wire and I connect it to an electrical source, power is going to flow from it. 
And the same as he's saying about you and I, if we're connected to a loving father through Christ, we've stepped into Christ through salvation, then the love of God has got to flow through us and it's got to flow through to others. See, too many, in fact, today, it's even harder in our isolation to think that, that what's most important is my spirituality with God. And yes, that is important. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. And so as I'm connected to God, that which comes from God, the very essence and nature of God, will now flow through me and flow to others. Let's continue in 1 John chapter 4, where John continues with his train of thought here. Stick with me. I'm going to turn practical in, a very, uh, in, in just a few seconds, but I want to lay out the theological points that the Apostle John is saying to us out of this book. And in verse 16 of chapter 4, still reading from the Living Translations, we know... We know how much God loves us. Can I hear an amen? Can you just amen in the chat box? We know how much God loves us. And we have put our trust in his love. God is love and all who live in love live in God. And God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. Oh, Man, I like that. The more I live in God, when I live in God, I learn the nature of God. I learn the ways of God. I learn the principles of God. When I grow my faith because of who I am in God as a Christ follower, when I develop myself and I grow myself in God, the love grows more perfect in me. So if love is not perfect, then you go back to what the Apostle Paul was saying, that something is wrong. There's a disconnect. You think you're connected, but there's no flow. If I hook up the water and there's no water flowing through, I begin to look and say, where is it kinked up? Where is there a problem? There is a problem in the church today if love is not flowing through us to others. It's kinked up. It's got to be unkinked. We can debate and argue all we want as to why it's kinked. But at the end of the day, we got to unkink it so that the water can begin to flow. Why is we're in God and his love grows perfect in us? Now, I got to tell you, the conviction out of the study this week is, God, let my love be more perfect. Let it be resembling your love, the sacrificial agape love of Christ in my life, in the nature of God. Let it grow more perfect within me. That was my own personal conviction of this week of saying, God, as I'm in you, this love has got to flow in a greater way. So we, go back to our, our text, so we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we will face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Now, what's the context? The context is we live like Jesus in this world. In what way is the love of God? In context of what he's saying, such love has no fear. This scripture is taken out of context so much. What is he talking about? The love for one another. When I love you because I'm connected to him and the love of God flows through me to you and you to me, we learn to get along. We learn to walk by these principles of what he's talking about. Man, oh man, oh man, there is no fear then. 
for fear casts out. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. There's no fear of one another. There's no fear of what's going to happen because there's a love that's flowing with one another. Now, now, pastor, that's not how the world is. And I would say you're right because the majority of the world is darkened. The conviction for the church is we should not act like the world. We should act like the body of Christ who's connected to the source and the love of God flows through us. Now again, what's happened for many is they debate why there's a problem. What I'm saying is let's get past the why there is a problem. Repent, do what we gotta do. Hold hands, make up, forgive, do what needs to happen so that we can walk in the love of God. That's what he's saying. Let love flow so that there will be no fear because we live in Christ here in the world. Look at verse 18. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is the fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. We love each other because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God, but hates a Christian brother or sister, that person is a liar. I mean, the authors of the scripture are like so blunt. They're a liar. I love God, but I don't like them. I got prejudice in my heart. I got these racial feelings in my heart. The love of God is not residing in me the way it should. For if we don't love people that we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? And he has given us this command, those who love God, it's a command, not an option, must also love their Christian brothers and sisters. Again, it flows out of the great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. But that can be a little abstract. And so now it flows then into the second, which is likened to the first, and that is love your neighbor as yourself. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the apostle, the apostle Paul gives us some very practical understanding of what is love. In fact, it was the very first series I preached at Christian Life Center nine years ago. What is love? We called it love is. And we walked through 1 Corinthians chapter 13, love is. And, and the apostle Paul begins to look at what really matters most in life is love. And he says, if we don't show love, then no matter what we say will matter. If we don't show love, nothing that I really know matters. I can memorize the entire Bible, but if I don't show love, then it really matters. It doesn't matter what I really believe if I don't show love. Doesn't matter, he says, what I give. If I don't show love, it really doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what I accomplish. If I don't show love, it really doesn't matter. Because a life without love, Paul will say, is a worthless life. Everything flows from us. It should be a life of love rooted in who Christ is in us. So the great question I believe that we're going to have to answer before the, love as be, uh, before the Lord uh, as believers is how well did we love? Did we love well as the body of Christ and the church? Did we love the way the Lord would want us to love? 
So the conviction in my heart that comes out of study this week is do we really love Now, let me take it out of the we and make it personal. Do I really love authentically? Do I really love in a way, God, that, that you would love? See, for many, our love, if we're honest, is shallow for most of the people in our lives. It's a shallow, superficial kind of love. I'm afraid that we're living in a time and an age where we're too quickly able to just unfriend, so to speak, people in our lives. And not just in social media, but but in life. They don't agree with what we say or they don't believe quite what we believe or they do something. And, And the reality is we're too quick to distance ourselves and to isolate ourselves and to and to live in this place where we don't really allow people to come into the depth. Of relationship with us. My suspicion is that this truth today, this central truth is something that all of us probably need to work on. The second thing that I've realized is love is not only a personal decision, but that love always shows itself in how we act. Love is an action. It's something that I do. It's more, as I, than I, as I said, it's more than just a feeling. It's more than just my words, but it's shown in my action. It, it's shown in my behavior and what I do. The Apostle John says it like this in 1 John three eighteen. He says, let's not merely say that we love one another, underline it, but let us show the truth of our love by our actions. Circle that word action if you want. In 1 John 3, 18, we show the truth of our love by our actions. Love is something that we do. It's not just the talk of our life. And so the apostle John is showing that this agape love is a sacrificial love. So then when you begin to unpack a sacrificial love of Christ and you parallel it into our lives, that's where I would come back to say probably all of us, there's areas of this in our life that we've got to work on. It's a great way to talk about in your life group, how do you press into an authentic love? How do you press into this agape love that the apostle John is talking about? Let's go back here to verse 9. 1 John chapter 4, verse 9. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. Not, excuse me, no one has ever seen God But if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him as he is in us. Furthermore, (laughs) I like that. That's a good reminder for when preachers say in closing and they have five closings. He's saying, I'm not done. Furthermore, we have seen with our eyes and now testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. And all who confess that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them and they live 
in God. And so the Apostle, Paul, uh, the Apostle John here is showing that authentic love is a sacrificial love. It's a, an agape love. It's a sacrificial love. So let's get practical here in the last part of our message today. Let's talk about this agape sacrificial love. If agape love is sacrificial, then I believe authentic love is going to be sacrificial in four key ways. It's going to first of all require sacrifice of my time. If I'm going to really get close and really have an authentic love with the brothers and sisters in the Lord, then authentic love is going to require a sacrifice of time. You see, you can't go deep and really love if you don't sacrifice some time. It's difficult to love on the run. It's difficult to love in the busyness of our life. In fact, when you look at the life of Christ, when he was in ministry, when he was moving here and there and about, he would stop and minister and show love and build relationship to those that were in his sphere of influence. You see, we can't love on the run. The reality is it takes a sacrifice of time to talk on the phone, to have a meal, to, to, to spend some time together. It takes a sacrifice of time. Especially to those that are close to us, those that are in our, in our close circle of relationship, many times they get the leftovers of our relationship. Sacrifice of time is essential for authentic love. So the challenge I ask you to do is maybe look at your sphere of influence and begin to ask not only your family, but other brothers and sisters in the Lord that God has put into your sphere of influence and begin to ask, how can you go deeper in the relationship with one another? It takes a sacrifice of time. A second thing that I understand is that authentic love means that I've got to sacrifice superficiality. I've got to remove the mask. I've got to move beyond the surface. I've got to move beyond the shallow uh, aspects of relationships that we know today and allow it to go deeper. So when someone says, how are you doing? Today, that really is just like saying hi. How you doing? Hi. Same thing, right? You want to mess somebody up this week when they say, how you doing? Say, well, you know... <laughs> And then you start really, you're going to mess them up. I mean, why? It's because it's like, hi. It's like, hi. And, oh, let me talk to you for a moment. It messes up. And that's what's happened is our relationships are so easily drifting into shallowness. And the crazy thing is we're more connected than we've ever been. We're more, if it would be, engaged in knowing what's happening in, 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 in people's lives. And yet we're, we have weaker and more shallow relationships than we've ever had. You see, when you begin to sacrifice superficiality, you're, you're, you're taking a risk. You're stepping out and you're allowing people to get to know you. You're getting to know them. And, and, and you're going you're, you're gonna, to you're gonna let them see and they're going to see your strengths and their strengths, the weaknesses, the real you, the real them. It's a step that you take. And as you take that step, all of a sudden you're beginning to open yourself up in a deeper way. But many will not go be below the surface. It's very easy for guys to get together and spend hours and hours watching a ball game and really talk about nothing. 
It's very easy to spend hours and hours with somebody and, and before you know it, you've talked about sports and weather, maybe even the sermon. You, 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 you've stayed at the surface and why is it easy to stay at the surface is because surface is safe. But the problem is when our relationships stay at the sur- surface, it's like we just keep walking in circles. We're just walking in circles. When we allow our relationships to stay at a surface level, it's going in circles around and around and around. So my challenge to you is to look and look into your life and your relationships and say, God, where can I go below the surface with those that you've got in my sphere of influence? Sacrifice superficiality means that I'm going to have to learn how to listen I'm going to have to learn how to ask questions. I'm going to have to learn to hear the heart and to hear the pain and hear what they're walking through and the joys. I'm going to have to learn to go a little bit deeper. Now, you're not their counselor. You're not there to fix them or fix their problems. You share. They share. You build a relationship. Have you ever had somebody in your life that they, they're the only ones that talk all the time? They just talk, 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 talk. And you start to say something and oh, yeah, yeah. And then they start talking, talk, 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 talk. That's not a relationship. They're just venting, right? They're getting out their 20,000 words that day on you and they're just letting it go. Or vice versa, you get with somebody and they don't do anything. They'll ask a question, but they don't share anything. You, they, don't know, they don't share anything about their life. Have you ever been around someone like that? It's kind of like you walk away and you go, yeah, we just were together for a few hours and I don't know any more about him or her. I don't know. See, the reality for you and I is that we've got to learn to listen. We ask questions. We engage back and forth. So this week, think about how can you go deeper in the relationships of your life. For those of you that are in life group, maybe it's taking the life group offline with one another in another setting, in another way, where you're texting, calling, talking to one another. Another thing that I've realized that it requires... See, love is an action. It's a behavior. Authentic love is an agape love. It's a sacrificial love. It's going to require me to sacrifice my agenda. What do you mean, my, my agenda? Well, it means that it's not just what I want to talk about. It's not just what I'm going to do to control the conversation. Many times we like to control the conversation. And the reality is when we enter into relationship, it's a relationship. And as I said, we stop, we listen. And when you really start listening, you know what you're going to hear? You're going to hear their pains. You're going to hear their sadness. You're going to hear their heartbreak. You're going to hear their prayer requests. You're going to hear what they're worrying about. You're going to hear what they're joyful about and what God is doing in their life. When you stop and you begin to really allow this to happen within you, you sacrifice your agenda. You go deeper. It's a sacrificial love. The last thing that I've realized when it comes to a sacrifice, an agape love, an authentic love requires a sacrifice is it's going to require sacrificing my pride. What do you mean your pride? Well, because it's a relationship, in relationship, there's going to be things that you don't agree on. There's going to be things that are said that might hurt you or frustrate you or anger you. Even in friendship, just like in marriage, there's going to be uh, uh, things that you're going to have to pause and, and, and stop and there's going to be a sacrifice of your pride when I do or I say something that I shouldn't to say I'm sorry. Hey, I shouldn't have said that. Please forgive me. 
I've been struggling with this, and, and you lower down your pride. Or you say, hey, we've been walking through a difficult time. I'm not saying this for you to help me, but for you to pray with me, or, or for you just to understand what I'm walking through. It's a sacrificing of my pride. You see, authentic love requires a sacrifice. The third thing that I've learned about love, love is a personal decision. Love is an action. It's something that I do. And thirdly, love always requires a commitment. The feelings turn to a choice. The choice becomes a commitment. It keeps on giving whether you feel like it or not. It's kind of like, you remember that old commercial, the Energizer Bunny? You remember that? It just keeps on going. I think I have a video here. It just keeps on going and going. You charge up the battery. It, it's just something that just keeps on giving. The warning is authentic love. Your love for one another will be tested. It will be tested. When you get close to someone, there's going to be those moments where it'll be tested over and over again. For those that are hard to love in your life, this is so true right now, is that it requires a commitment. So when I wrap up today, I want to wrap up with these four practical thoughts for you. Authentic love is a love of commitment, and that commitment is going to require that you and I extend grace to one another, that we choose to be gracious, that we choose that, that, that we're going to offer forgiveness, that we're going to accept one another, that we're going to be patient with one another. No relationship will last if there's not grace and forgiveness and repentance and, and acceptance and, and patience in, in that relationship. It will not last. But the problem often happens is that we'll quickly push people away if they don't agree with us, if, they don't, uh, if we don't like what they've said or what they've posted or what they have done or haven't done. We just push them away. And the reality is we got to extend grace to one another. You've got to allow for mistakes in each other's life. You've got to allow that we're both on a journey. You're on a journey. I'm on a journey. We're on a journey together. And there's going to be an authentic love. There's going to be a lot that you have to put up with when you engage with other people. You don't have to think alike to walk alike. You don't have to believe everything exactly. When, when you're walking arm in arm and showing love with one another, there's a camaraderie. There's a, a connection. There's a, a sense that, that we are, are walking this journey together. Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter of what love really is. Love never stops being patient. It never stops being patient. I constantly am extending a grace. Grace is like a roof that's, a, that's covering our lives. And when we come up under that roof, it's a, it's a covering for you and I. It shelters us from the storm. And like a love, uh, I mean like a, uh, like a roof, love covers and protects you and me when we extend that to one another. Look here at the scripture that I have. Ephesians 4, 2, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with one another, making what allowance for each other's faults because of your love. So you're extending 
this grace, this love, this patience to, to one another. Jesus tells us that we really, we really cannot love if we're not willing to extend grace to others. If we're unwilling to extend that grace, we'll never go deep in our relationships. Look here, Romans 15, 7 in your, in your outlines. Accept each other just as Christ has what? Accepted you. So for those that are hard to love in your life, extend grace. Extend grace. Secondly, I would say, for those that are hard to love in your life, express faith. Believe and trust each other. See, love and trust are intertwined. Love is built on trust. And when you express faith, you're doing exactly what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, where he says, love never stops believing. Love always trusts. Never lose faith in one another. Continue to express that faith. A key evidence for you and I that we're trusting and we're believing in this relationship and we're extending and expressing this faith to one another is that I'm willing to give a second chance. If someone hurts me, if something is done, I'm willing to turn the other cheek. When we trust like that, the relationship goes deeper. A third thing that I've learned in this commitment is that I have got to expect the best in the relationship. I'm looking forward. I'm hopeful. I'm encouraging what God's doing in their life just as I'm believing that they're going to inspire and encourage me in my life. And there might be times that we're, we're helping one another. Someone is drifting off of the path, but there's an expectation of what God's going to do in that other person. Came across a, a little poem this week that I want to read. If I knew is the title. If I knew it was the last time I'd if I knew it was the last time I'd see you fall asleep. If I excuse, excuse me. If I knew it was the last time I'd see you fall asleep, I'd tuck you in more tightly and pray your soul to keep. If I knew it was the last time I'd see you out the door, I'd hug and kiss you one more time and call you back for more. If I knew it was the last time I'd get to share your day, I'd know that I, that I know that I'd make certain it didn't slip away. We assume we'll have tomorrow to correct an oversight that we'll always have another chance to make everything all right. There will always be another day to say I love you. There will always be another chance to ask what can I do is what we often think. But just in case I might be wrong and today is all I get, I want to say I love you so that you will not forget. Tomorrow is not promised that we'll see another night. Today could be my last chance to love and hold you tight. Instead of waiting for tomorrow, show your love somehow. For if tomorrow never comes, you'll wish you've done it now. That you didn't take the extra time for a smile, a hug, or a kiss. Instead, you were too busy for the one that you will now miss. Hold your loved ones close today and whisper in their ear, 
Tell them that you love them and why you hold them dear. Say, I'm sorry, please forgive me. You're the best and it's okay. So if tomorrow never comes, you'll not regret today. You expect the best. The last and final thing that I would say to you practically for those that are maybe difficult to love in those different difficult times in our relationships is endure the worst. Endure the worst. Because the reality is all relationships go through difficulties. Persist. Be determined. Be diligent. Refuse to give up on that relationship. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, 7, love never gives up. What is he saying is love never gives up. It endures all circumstances. It always perseveres. It never looks back. It keeps on going to the very end. For those that have been married 30 or more years, you know that the secret of a successful marriage is just staying, persevering through continuing to be committed, continuing to make sure that we're extending the grace, we're expecting the best, we're enduring the worst, we're persevering through it. Reminds me of an oak tree. An oak tree grows those roots that go down and, and those roots that are interwoven. And as those roots are holding strong, no matter what winds, tornadoes, hurricanes may come, it may blow off branches and leaves, but that oak tree remains strong. We have that old adage, uh, as strong as an oak tree, because it can withstand the, the winds and the rains and the storms. If we could only learn to love like that. That's what the Apostle John is talking about, an authentic love. I want to finish by reading one scripture out of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 17. Because the reality for you and I is we can't love like this if we haven't experienced his love in our lives ourselves. And Paul says this in Ephesians 3, 17, and I pray that Christ will be more and more at home in your hearts, living within you as you trust in him. May your roots grow down, go down deep into the soil of God's marvelous love. And may you be able to feel and understand how long, how wide, how deep, and how high his love really is. And to experience this love for yourself. Can I hear an amen? amen. You see, that's what God shows us is real love. He extends grace to you and I. He sent his son, Jesus, to die for our sins. When we understand the grace of God for you and I, Paul is saying we've got to experience it. God expresses faith in us. Even when we mess up, when we fall, when we stumble, he's right there. When we make choices and decisions that we shouldn't have made, he's right there. When we confess those sins, he doesn't reject us. He receives us and he accepts us unto himself. He expects the best in you and I. He knows our potential and he's pressing us to be all that we can be, to grow the capacity of our life, to allow the love of God to flow through us. He never gives up on us. And for that, we say amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
authentic love. I really have the conviction in my heart that it's something that all of us could grow in in our lives as the body of Christ. If this ministry is making an impact in your life, why not help us make an impact on the lives of others by partnering with us today? You can give through our CLC app or at clcftl.org forward slash give. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe for more inspiring messages like this. Now go and be messengers of hope.